You're listening to the No Farting Around Show. We're all about taking your marketing and business from the toilet to the bank. I'm your host, Ashley Mae Fernandez, and this is the only show where making a disruptive noise smells like success. Each week, I interview high-level disruptors who are making a big stink in their industry by doing things their own way while you listen in and ask a question or two. Talk show, live studio audience style. Expect all things marketing, messaging, money, and mindset, and only strategies that don't include farting and darting or treating your clients like an afterthought. So if you're ready to stop farting around and actually scale your business, let's cut to the cheese and get on with the show. Oh, hello, everyone. I am currently (laughs) sitting in a hotel. If you're watching the video, if you're here and you're joining me, hello. I am, yeah, as you can see, I have beds behind me. I am currently in a hotel and there is a beautiful mountain view in front of me. My husband and I are out of town for a wedding and oh my gosh, we've had the craziest day ever. And my husband is in the wedding, but he had told him that he, he told the guy getting married, his friend getting married, that he didn't know if he could be in the wedding. So he thought that he wasn't. And then it turned out that we were able to come. And so he basically we were running around it's the day before the wedding they're getting married tomorrow and we were running around like crazy people trying to get the pants the shirt the shoes like <laughs> my goodness it's crazy so anyways I decided I was so tired and I decided to stay back at the hotel um while he went to the rehearsal barbecue and I oh my god it's so nice guys it's so nice to just decompress. I am an ambivert. And so I really love being around people, but I have to be by myself to recharge. So I love it to be by myself. And so I just was like, Oh, Ben, go ahead. You can go to the rehearsal dinner. I'll just stay at the hotel. I'll take a nice long shower. I'll put on some comfy clothes. And then I was like, Oh, and what? I'll be by myself. So why not just go ahead and record um, some podcasts? So here I am. I hope that you all are having um, an amazing day. And yeah, so we're on, we're just going to jump into it, guys. We're on part three of what I'm calling my high ticket sales series, talking all about why you're not, why you're attracting clients who can't afford you. And I actually just did a training in my mentors kind of membership program just the other day. And I was talking about very similar to what I'm going to be talking about in this episode, And I just felt lit up and I felt like just really excited. And one of the, it got me thinking, all I'm saying is it got me thinking that I might want to add on like a bonus to this series, add on a bonus fifth recording talking about almost what are the best practices individually and almost more of a some maybe some mindset things that I see a lot of entrepreneurs have that are preventing them from really just making their marketing feel good. I feel as as entrepreneurs, a lot of the times we just try to do what everyone tells us to do instead of trusting our own gut and our own intuition and our own instinct. And so I think I might throw on a fifth, might throw on a fifth part to this series. I don't know. We'll see. So if I do, is that, or I could just record it as a different episode, but Anyways, I did, it it did spark some things. And so I thought maybe I'll talk about that, but let's just get into it guys. So the third thing um, that I want to talk about today, we talked about in episode one, we talked a lot about offer structure. In episode two, uh, we talked a lot about 
ideal client. And today I'm going to talk a lot about content. Okay. Just specific your messaging and your content for trying to talk to your ideal client. And a few things that I see a lot of people do when it comes to content that is not attracting their ideal client. So one of the few things that I see is, oh, I just want to scream every time I hear this phrase, right? Where they say, oh, it's quality over quantity. Gag me now. I can't tell you how many times I have heard that. And I used to probably say it way back in the day. I'm pretty sure I did. What ends up happening is all these gurus, all these people are telling you quality over quantity. And so then you go and you are creating content that you think is quality and that you think is valuable. But what I find 95% of the time is what you think is valuable or quality is not what your ideal client thinks is valuable or quality. Just let that sit in for a minute. Because you're out here thinking, oh, I know what they want to hear. But really, at the end of the day, you're creating content out of your perspective of quality not their perspective of quality. And this is what I see happen all the time. When you do that, you show up and you think a couple of things, right? You think, okay, I have to show up as an authority. So to show up as an authority, I'm going to create a lot of how-to content. So you're going to create content that's three steps to grow your Instagram if you're an Instagram strategist. Or here are five steps to increase open rates on your emails, something like that. And while I don't think that content is really bad, not at all, I don't think it's bad content, your ideal client, especially if you have a high ticket offer, they're paying you for the service, right? And so when you're creating that how-to content, the only type of person you're going to attract is someone with a DIY mindset. Because you're literally telling them, here are the steps you can do for free without having to pay me. So you're going to attract someone with a DIY mindset. And they're not necessarily going to pay a high ticket price. They may pay a low ticket price, like a $27, $37, maybe even a $97 offer. But they're not going to invest a lot of money. Because a lot of people who are in that mentality of I can do it myself are not at the level to where they will invest a lot of money into it. And I see this mistake all the time. I see it stems from that quality over quantity. And they're like, oh, okay, I need to create quality content. Quality content shows my authority. And so in order to show my authority, I'm going to create this how-to content. Or they'll, another type of content that I see is they'll do a lot of inspirational content, a lot of feeling content, right? Because again, the, the gurus out there, all these marketers are telling you that, oh, quality content plays on the emotion. It speaks into their pain points. You have to basically tell them everything that they're doing wrong and or make them or create basically inspirational or content that's all feeling based. Make them feel like they're not alone. And to me, I use this example a lot. And I don't, it's almost like if I were in a boat, let's say I was in a boat and there was a hole in the boat and water was coming up. 
Okay. And then all of a sudden someone comes up in a rescue boat and they say, oh my gosh, I totally see you. You feel like you're going to sink. You're totally not alone. And instead of helping you out of the boat, they get in and they sit down with, you know, I don't want you to make me feel like I'm in the same place as you, right? Like I want you to help me out of the freaking boat. And I think this is when there's a lot of content that is just a ton of emotion and feeling based, it is that you're not alone. You're not alone. And I don't actually love this type of content because yes, while your ideal client wants to feel seen and heard, you're not encouraging them to take action to get out of that negative place that they're in. I say it like this all the time. I actually stopped using this. I used to say all the time, here's your permission. Here's your permission to be bold. Here's your blah, blah, blah. And I kept attracting people who had that desire, right? Like they had a desire to be bold. They had a desire to charge a high ticket price. They had a desire to do all this, but they weren't 100% confident in doing it. And so what I found when I started, when I was using all that type of language was I had someone who had the desire, but they weren't committed to taking the action. They weren't motivated to take the action to get that desire that they wanted. And when I started to go back and look at my content and look at my messaging, that's one of the biggest things that I noticed. And so now at this time, now that I know that, I'll just say, I don't need to give you permission, Like, I don't need to give you permission. You've already given your darn self permission. You've already given your own freaking self permission, right? Like, I want to work with the people who are ready to take that. Like, they are gritty. They'll do whatever it takes. Like, I want that type of person. But I noticed that when I was using that language, I was attracting a lot of people who felt like they needed someone else to give them that permission. And if you wait around for everyone else to give you permission in your life, you're going to be waiting for a really long time. I want the person who's, I don't need anyone else to give me freaking permission. If this was, if this is what I want, I've already given myself permission to go and do it. And I don't need, I don't care what anybody else thinks. And that was a really big thing. And so I do see a ton of content like that. I see a ton of content that speaks a lot on the emotion. It speaks a lot on the the pain points and the, the, oh, you're not alone. I see you. You're not alone. And again, it's, it's not, I'm not saying that all that type of content is bad. When I start to really dig into specifically my clients, I'm in my shift to sell program because we do like a We go through my DAISY method and one of the really big things that we do is go ahead and we do an entire client analysis, ideal client analysis, and then we look at their messaging and where it's falling flat on trying to attract that person. And we get so, so nitty gritty, right? We get so, so nitty gritty into it. And that is one of the things that I see is a lot of the times they're creating a lot of the inspirational or motivational content and and the the feeling-based content. And again, it's not that bad, but it's not matching the type of person that they're trying to attract. And again, I still think that falls under the quality over quantity. And then what, what else I see is with that same phrase, you're trying to believe that it's quality over quantity. And so you're not being consistent with content even on top of that, because you're like, oh, it's not about the quantity. It's about the only about the quality. And I want to argue that it's about both. Like it it is about both because here is, oh, this is probably going to ruffle some feathers, but I don't care. If you're not creating content consistently, the 
that is putting out there to your ideal clients that you actually aren't motivated and you don't take consistent action. So guess what you're going to attract? Someone else who also doesn't take consistent action, right? When And, and just think about the people you follow on social media. Think about the people you follow on social media. Would you rather have a health coach, let's say fitness coach, fitness and health coach, okay? What if they're telling you that you need to exercise every single day, right? But they don't exercise every single day. In fact, they probably don't exercise much at all. Are you really going to find that person credible? And this is also another thing I noticed. I'm going to... (laughs) I'm going to keep adding on to this. I see this a lot too with my clients before they started working with me. They would be very consistent in posting. They'd be very consistent in posting. And then all of a sudden they would have something that would go on and they would go like a week without posting. And then when they came back, they apologized for it. They were like, I'm so sorry, guys. I've been MIA. It's just been so busy around here. First of all, you're apologizing for something, which makes it, which when someone is apologizing for something, it makes you feel like they've done something wrong, right? Like in your mind, if someone came up to you and apologized to you, you're like, oh, they must have did did something wrong. So why would they be apologizing? So then all of a sudden you're giving your ideal client a negative connotation about you. They're going to think, oh, they did something wrong because they're apologizing. And even on top of that, you're also, you're also showing them that when you're like, oh, it's just been so busy over here, that you are not great at time management, that you're not great at being consistent, that you're not great at doing this. You have to practice what you preach. And again, that might ruffle some feathers, but that's just what I've noticed. And and I've noticed even this with my clients, the ones that I used to attract, the ones, because again, again, you guys, I'm speaking all this from personal experience. (laughs) A lot of, almost everything that I say is gonna be from personal experience or experience from that I've seen from my clients. But when I used to do that, the type of clients I attracted were also the ones who would show up consistently for a week and then not, they would go two, three weeks and not jump on a call. And their excuse was, oh my gosh, I've just been so busy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you can't run a successful business if you don't have containers and priorities. And listen, I'm a mom. I have two kids. I understand that things happen. If you're consistently having those situations where you show up for a week and then you go away and you show up and up for another week and you go away, it's like when you have that, it's not a that's not a family problem. That's not a, a chaos problem. It's you not having containers or priorities to have that done. Now that's a whole different talk. I'm going to, I'm just going to keep on going, but that's a whole nother talk. And so I just realized that what I put out, so the type, the way I showed up was also who I attracted. I attracted people who showed up the same way that I showed up. And it, and it was definitely with my, what I was saying in my content and how I was approaching my content. So again, I think that it is both quality and quantity. When I say quantity, I'm not talking like you have to post three times every single day, but you need to be consistent. Like you need to be consistent on how often you are posting. You need to be committed to having that done and they need to be your, okay, I have to get these three things done today. And that's it. Because I'll say another thing, this has nothing to do with content, just everything to do with how you run your business. 
I've realized that like I've been the most successful when I have about four core things that I have to get done during the day. And when I get those four core things done, nothing else really matters. It's I love to, and I've done a podcast episode on this. I think it was podcast number eight, where I talked about common sense versus common practice. And a lot of us have common sense on the things that we need to be doing, but because they're easy, they're the first things that we neglect because we're like, oh, it's too easy. That's common sense, but you don't have common practice around them. Go back and listen to that episode. But those are the first things that we try to put off because they're so easy to put off. And I feel like skipping on being consistent with the quantity of your content is one of the first things that we neglect. It's one of the first things that we neglect. And when we do that, it makes us look inconsistent. It also makes us look like we've done something wrong because then we show up and apologize for it. And then it just, yeah, it just attracts those people who are also going to be in that same boat, right? So those are some of the things that I see with content. And I also, (laughs) I'll add this other thing in there. One of the other things that I see when, you know, the quality over quantity statement is again, with the quality, what I see a lot of people do is they will create content that their ideal client already knows. And I talked about this a little bit in the last episode. I call this duh, duh, right? Like I call it duh content because you just want to say duh. And I used the example on the last episode of um, an email marketing strategist posting something that said, posting something that says like email marketing is not dead. Well, duh. And I even want to get a little bit more into this. I posted a Facebook post the other day on my, on my Facebook page. I couldn't speak there for a second on my Facebook page, giving some examples about this, because when I go and look at content, there are a few things that I'll see like little small things in there that I'll see that where I'm like, yeah, I can see why you're attracting that type of person. And I think this is my superpower guys. If I were going to be a super woman of some sort. Maybe it would be like the word nerd. I don't know. (laughs) But I am so good about going in and being like, oh, because I have extensive uh, training in NLP. I'm actually a certified NLP practitioner. I am a certified hypnotherapist, which is very interesting. I don't actually like do that as a service, but it is very interesting because our subconscious mind is insane. But anyways, other than that, and I have extensive, extensive education and knowledge within human behavior and psychographics and psychology. I am, I love all of that. I love all of that. And a lot of the times, even the way that we say things, our brains, like, again, I'm a brain nerd, our brains will interpret them very differently. So let me just even give you an example of that. Just what I just said. Let's say I said, okay, I'm going to show up and do the job, but I don't think it'll work. Okay, let me just say that phrase. I'm going to show up and do the job, but I don't think it'll work. Now, that makes you feel very negative, right? You're just, it makes you feel like, oh, why am I even doing this? It's very doubtful. If I said, I'm going to show up and do the work, but I don't think it'll work. I'm going to show up and do the job, but I don't think it'll work. You automatically feel doubtful. Now, what if I said, I'm going to show up and do the work, or do the job, even though it might not work. Now that feels like empowerment, right? It, it automatically changes in your brain. All I changed was I went from but to even though. 
I only changed those two things. That's all I changed. And it changed your entire perspective of that phrase. And this is what marketing is all about. Marketing and sales. And I actually just had this debate with myself the other day because while I love marketing strategy, really truly at the end of the day, I am like a freaking bomb at sales because I get it. And sales is really how you communicate, which is why I love the marketing because I feel like the marketing is really how you communicate people to get them to be interested in what you're selling, to get them attracted to what you're selling. And so I'm really good about that, but I'm also really good about knowing what to say to close them, which is also, I I combine both of those aspects within within my content and in my messaging. I I combine both of those. And I will do a whole nother episode about like how I actually create content that closes high ticket sales in the DMs because I haven't gotten on a sales call in two years. I have not gotten on a sales call in two years and I have consistently sold $10,000 plus offers in the DMs which is insane. And I do the sales process as well as the marketing process within content to where I'm pre-selling my audience. And I've seen, this is what I do with my clients too. And I've, it, it, it doesn't work just for me. It works for them. I had one client do $500,000 in sales in a five-day period without a single sales call, which is amazing. I had someone close $80,000 in a month with no sales. Call. It's nuts. Okay. And I even just, I just created, um, I just did a post the other day. I edited a post for my mentor and he put it on his Facebook, he put it on his Facebook page and someone, he got a lead from it. I don't know if he's closed that lead, but he immediately, someone was like, I want to like, I really want to learn from you. How can I get into, how can I buy what you're offering? (laughs) Like, and I didn't even use the actual strategic framework that, that I normally use with my other clients. I just edited his piece of content to make it sound a little bit better and, and use these psychology tips that I do. And he got to leave from it. I'm, I have to like all that to say, I'm very unique in what I do and how I do it. And it's so simple as to even how you say things and how you change things. Because even if I, let's say I did go market something and I was like, you show up and you post on social media, but you don't think it's working. If I had that in a post versus you committed to showing up and posting every single day, even though it might not work, I would attract two very different types of people if I used just those two different phrases in my marketing. The first one, I would attract someone who has who is super negative and just wants to complain. They're like, nothing's working, right? That I would attract that person versus the second person would be someone who's motivated. They're like, look, I know this works because I see it work for everybody else and I'm committed to showing up and I'm here to have, and I have hope that it's going to work and I am here to do it even though it doesn't work. Because even if it doesn't work, I still have data. I still it's still getting me out of my comfort zone. It's still doing this. I'm still going to grow. Like the person I'm going to attract with that is going to be someone who does not believe that failure is an option. That is the type of person I want to work with. And so I see these little small nuances and I'm even going to actually pull up. I'm going to pull up the Facebook. Give me like two seconds. I'm going to even pull up the Facebook post that I did. And I actually, when I did this Facebook post, I went to some people's profiles. I literally went to their profiles and looked at some of their content and what they were saying in their content. This is this was not something I made up off the top of my head. This was people's real profiles. I went to their content and I grabbed little pieces of their content. And I was like, I can, and they're also saying that they have a high ticket offer. And I'm like, I bet they're probably not selling that high ticket offer as much. But this is this is what I said. So 
I said, a client comes to me and says, I'm attracting clients who don't want to do the work and constantly complain. I'm marketing on Instagram, doing lives, posting in Facebook groups, promoting a webinar, et cetera. I need a new marketing strategy on where to find people who are actually, because again, they'll come to me and they think they have a marketing um, strategy problem and a, me- a marketing and a messaging problem. And then I'll go and I'll look at their content. And this is what I said. So again, these are people that I went to their content and grabbed these things. So the first thing I saw was, you feel like you've tried everything and nothing works. Like that was a line in someone's piece of content. And I went on to say, when you say you feel like you've tried everything and nothing works, all you're going to do is attract the king and queen of complainers, right? The king and queen of complainers, because they're going to keep telling you that nothing works throughout your program. And then the kicker, when they go through your program and it doesn't work for them, guess who they're going to blame? Not themselves. And I see this all the time in content. I see very different variations of the line. You feel like you've tried everything and nothing works. You're try- you, when you say that you're going to attract a complainer and you're going to attract someone who, has, who, is, a def- who is defeated, who feels defeated, and it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. They're going to be skeptical. They're going to be very blaming. They are not going to take responsibility for their own action. It's going to be a recipe for disaster. So the next thing that I saw was the statement, you go to post on social media and instead spend hours consuming because you're so lost on what to post. And this was a, the person who, who had written this was a content strategist. Okay. And with this phrasing, all you're going to do is you're going to call out people who don't do the work. You're literally saying, oh, you go to social media to post and then you spend tons of hours consuming instead of posting. Okay, that means they're full of distraction. Again, they don't take responsibility for their actions. And you're literally calling out people who don't want to do the work because they're already proving to you that they're not committed to doing. I I see this stuff all the time. So I'll share the third one. I'll share the third one. So the third one was, the third thing I said was, you're scared to show up and promote your business and just need an easier way. I see a variation of this all the time. And even before I explain this one, what I see is a lot of times people say you're scared to show up. You think sale, you think sales are salesy, but then you're trying to sell them a program where they have to show up and sell. But if you're literally calling out people who think sales are salesy in their content, in your content, guess who you're going to attract? You're going to attract people who are going to show up and not want to, I should have wrote that in the post, but I didn't. (laughs) Anyways, I said, again, you're calling out people who are already finding it hard to show up and are most likely complaining about how hard everything is, right? And you guys, I see this all the time. And it's just, you are, I say this too, you're trying to throw a low level, actions on a high level mentality. When you're trying to attract a high level client, you're throwing a lot of low level tactics onto them, low level actions, right? Because someone who's going to pay a high ticket really truly probably doesn't feel that way. Like what you're saying in your content. And again, that's, you're calling out. I hope those were really, I hope that those examples were clear, but 
again, I was even on the call, I was on a call with Jake, his podcast hasn't come out yet, but I was interviewing him and we were talking about his offer and he has an amazing try, it's called Tripod. It's a, it's a podcast management system. I actually use it for my own podcast. It's phenomenal. And he was saying, he's, yeah, I keep attracting people who haven't launched a podcast yet. And he said, I don't want to help them with a podcast launch. I want to help them with the systems in the back end of the podcast. And when I went to look at his content, one of his lines were, you record and like you hit record and we'll do all the rest. (laughs) And I was like, yeah. And then he was even saying, he was like, yeah, and I keep attracting people who don't want to basically be the leader of of their podcast management team. He's like, they just think they're supposed to do everything and they're just completely removed. And he was like, no, I don't want that. I want the people who are there to help lead that team, to be the leader of the team. And I was like, I can see why you're not, I see, I can see why you're attracting people like that because you literally said you hit record and we'll do the rest. And he was like, oh, yep, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, I see that all the time. And it's a big thing, right? And there's so many other things I could go into with content. And again, I don't want this podcast to be very long. I'll just talk about those those three things and that stinking phrase, like quality over quantity. I hate that phrase because I just think that when we hear that phrase, we put it in a either or situation, like it either has to be quality or either has to be quantity. And then again, our perspective of quality is different a lot of the times than what our perspective or than what our ideal client's perspective of quality is. And I think that's where we get mixed up, right? And again, that leads us to create how-to content. That leads us to be very inconsistent because I think it is quality and quantity. It leads us to be very consistent and inconsistent, sorry. And then it also make it also drives us to create content that, you know, is more inspirational versus empowering and draws in those people who just really like, again, need permission from everybody else to actually take action and hold them accountable. I'm going to go on this last rant and then I'll be done. I absolutely hate when coaches or strategists or something are like, I'm just here to hold you accountable. No, if you're out here telling your clients, I am here to hold you accountable, you are going to attract people who can't take action for themselves. And if someone else is hiring you to hold them accountable, they are always going to blame you when they get, when they do not get results. To me, you can't expect someone else to hold you accountable if you're not holding your own self accountable. I will never say I'm here to hold you accountable. I am not here to hold you accountable. You're an adult. You're a business owner, right? You're, you need to be holding your own freaking self accountable. I'm here to guide you. Heck yeah. And I'm here to, for you to ask any questions to, if you feel stuck, but I am not here to hold your hand and I'm not here to tell you what to do. I want you to have the mentality of this is, I basically want to teach you how to make your own decisions, right? Because you shouldn't have to wait. And that's another thing too. Like sometimes some of my clients are clients that I used to actually attract in the past. I don't attract them that much anymore because I've done this work on myself. I would attract someone who would have a problem and they would go an entire week to discuss it with me on a call. So they would just, they would prevent themselves from taking action for an entire week until they made jumped on a call with me. And I'm like, why would you do that? No, you are big girl, big boy. You can make your own decisions. You don't need to wait an entire week to 
to address that on a call with me. And I don't, that's not the type of client that I want to work with. And I've realized that a lot of the times I used to say in my, in my content, I'm here to hold you accountable. They, I would attract someone who expected me to save them instead of guide them. And then I also attracted someone who wasn't holding themselves accountable. And it was very frustrating because again, I felt like I had to convince them through the whole darn program. And so I hate that too. That's another thing I do not say in my marketing. And it's one of the first things that we change when someone comes to me and say, I have clients who don't do the work. They're, they're very inconsistent in doing the work or they literally want me to do it for them. And I go and look at their content and nine times out of 10, they have something of, I'm here to hold you accountable. No, they need to be holding their own selves accountable. There's one quote in, oh, what's the book called? The book, it's called Winning, I think. And I love this quote. He was like, I'm not here to kick your ass. I need to know that you're kicking your own ass. And I was like, yes, <laughs> that's exactly who I want to attract. And the author of this book was uh, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan's coach. And I'm just like, yes, if it works for Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, let's do it, right? But I think as a coach, as a consultant, as a strategist, you're doing your client a disservice. If you're creating that type of relationship, if you're creating the relationship of you can't make decisions without my input, that's very selfish to me. I want my clients to outgrow me. I want my clients to be at the point where they're like, I know how to think. I know that I'm making decisions. And that's another Sorry, I know I'm going on a tangent, but this is the last thing I'll say, actually. In my hypnotherapy certification program, they were, the guy was talking, the, the instructor was talking about Think Rich, is it Think and Grow Rich, that book, right? And he was saying how at the time, Carnegie was his first name. I totally just blanked on his first name. It was like the richest man in the world at that point. He said there were three characteristics of someone who was successful. And the first was they made decisions. And two, they made decisions fast, I think was number two. And now I can't remember number three for the life of me. But when he said they make decisions, I'm like, yes, he makes decisions. And they make decisions fast. They go with their gut instinct and they make decisions fast. Now, I don't think you need to make decisions fast, but you you don't need to waffle on them. I don't know if anyone's familiar with human design. I've gone down the rabbit hole, but, and again, don't come at me when you're like, oh, this all new, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. I'm just an avid learner and I love to learn about new things. And it's not that I have to embody or believe all of those things. It's just, it's great. But uh, everyone was talking about human design. And I'm like, I'm interested. What is this? And I started going down the rabbit hole and just to learn about it, right? Because I want to form my own opinion. And apparently I am a generator with an emotional authority, which means I have to ride this kind of emotional wave when I make decisions. So like the term, let me sleep on it was basically created for people like me. And I do find that very true that I, anytime I've made like a split decision, I've always like a little, like I've gone back on it a little bit, but when I actually take time to sleep on it, I feel so much clearer the next day. So again, I don't think it's, I don't think you should like make decisions right on the spot. You do have to make decisions and not get stuck in the, I don't know if this will work or blah, blah, blah. So I love that he said that, that those are some of the characteristics of the most successful people in the world was that they all make decisions 
and they all make decisions quickly. They don't spend a lot of time wasting time and all that. And I love that. I can't remember what the third was, but yeah. Okay. This podcast episode went a lot longer than I had initially planned, but you guys know I love to go on rants. I also just want to say thank you to all of you who are showing up and listening to this each week. I really, truly want this I really, truly want this podcast to be a place where you can come and learn, but also a place where you just can have fun really at the end of the day. And I was thinking about that the other day because I I love building in a community over an audience. And I really love the community feel and to the point where you're like, I record some of these episodes live where you can actually jump on and ask questions, mostly the interview ones. And I just was thinking about it the other day and I was like, I really should probably do that for the solo ones because I love, love, just hanging out with you guys and really, truly sharing my life, funny stories. And like, even today I'm talking about like we're in the mountains and even my husband's part of this wedding, I'm sitting in a hotel with very, with in a very ugly chair and you can see all the things behind me. But I love just really feeling, making this space feel like family. And so I do want to say thank you. Thank you so much for showing up. Thank you so much for listening to this. Again, this is something I've wanted to do for such a long time and I'm having so much fun with it. And I just really am grateful for every one of you who have left me a review, every one of you who have shared episodes and tagged me on Instagram and messaged me on Instagram about it. They, it just really means a lot to me and I really love it. And I just, again, want to say thank you guys for, for doing that and being here and supporting me. And it's not lost on me that you take the time out of your day to listen to this. So I really greatly appreciate it. And I would love also on that note, I just thought about this. I was like, yeah, I'm going to say it. I would love to gift you coffee on me. If you guys leave me, if any of you leave me a review and if you screenshot it and send it to me, so I know it's you because sometimes I can't tell. If you leave me a review and you screenshot it and you send it to me, I would love to pick one of you to to just have coffee on me. And if you don't like coffee, tea, whatever you want it to be, it doesn't matter, but I'd love to do that. So if you leave a review, screenshot it. And if you've left me one in the past, that's fine. Screenshot it, send it to me and I will choose one, maybe a few of you, who knows? I don't care. I'll, I'll do more than one. I'd love to send coffee just to say thank you. And yeah, just say thank you. And, and I appreciate you, you being here. So I hope you all have an amazing rest of your day and I will catch you next Tuesday on the no fart around show. I'll talk to you later. Bye. I'll talk to you later. Bye. I'll talk oh, to you later. Friend, thank you I'll so you much later. for listening Bye. to I'll this episode later. of the No Fart Around Show. I hope you had as much fun as I did. And I would love, love for you to join us on the next podcast recording. You can go to www.ashamayfernandez.com slash podcast to see our interview schedule and the link to join us live to get your questions answered, get some personalized feedback and one-on-one hot seat coaching from not only me, but the amazing guests that I bring on the show. So I hope to catch you in the next episode. And until then, I will smell you later.